This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net, the Sanderson, Orr! Bobby Orr! Orr! For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like Eddie Shore. Yeah. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prue. Yeah. He's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Oh, hey, stop! Lace him up for some bees talk right now. I'm gonna get a dog! It's the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 63 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian D. Fleece, joined by Bridget Prue and, um... Somebody else who's a little bit hungover this this afternoon, uh, Scott McLaughlin, <laughs> and uh, perhaps Bridget can explain why. Yeah, we had a little too much popcorn last night at the Bruins game. It was irresponsible, and Scott still definitely he's still affected. It, look, it's good popcorn, that's for sure. And I'm I'm upset. I ate it in like a minute. I'm upset with myself because I dropped three pieces on the ground, and and you didn't eat them. You can't have that kind of performance in the regular season, so I've got to get it cleaned up. Yeah, Scott's sloppy. like baby birding somebody from the ninth floor. But <laughs> the, uh, so yeah, so they're at the game last night, and then Bridget sent this video of uh, her and Scott sitting next to each other. And um, Scott hates it. I, I sit next to him. I don't know what kind of phone you have, Bridget, but the video came in like microscopic. And but anyway, it was a no, picture it, of. It's because I have an Android, you have an iPhone, and it just does not work. But so, I tried. So I'm a real person, you are not. I guess that's. What I you're need saying. a new phone. So Scott's sitting there, you know, munching on like a whole thing of popcorn, and um, all I said was just make sure he's not driving home tonight because that looked like a lot of butter he was. Consuming. Yeah, we called him an Uber. So <laughs> another thing about Scott, actually, by the way, is you can't see him, but right now he's rocking a Seattle hat, which is to promote his new podcast called What's Cracking. <laughs> <laughs> If that's not already taken, it needs it needs to be. Yeah, if you're if you're if you're a Kraken fan the, out there, just give you a great podcast. The man. only two games circled on my entire Bruins calendar: are the two games against the Kraken in February. No, we're going to Montreal, Scott. Circle yeah, that. I mean, circle all right. that. December. Can- Canadians. We're getting rowdy. We're really going to be hungover for that one. All for right, real, we're I, getting, getting, I guess Bruins Canadians. Uh, we're, like, we're getting kind, a beer kind tower. We're getting a beer tower in Montreal, and. Hopefully we but can finish just, it. Look, it's just, it, it's classic Scott, you know? It's like, he doesn't know what side of the fence he wants to be on. Last week, he's shitting all over the Kraken's uniforms. Now he's wearing one of their hats. So, I mean, Kraken hats, aside, good. Kraken white uniforms, just an awkward stripe. That's it. It's just a stripe. Rest of it, fine. All right. All right. We we have a, a, a special fashion episode coming up in a couple of weeks. Oh, good. <laughs> I can't wait to hear Scott's fashion takes. 
Well, before we hear those takes, I'd like to hear his take on uh, what he saw through six games of the Bruins preseason. I guess, yeah, I mean, also, I mean, only a few of them had most of the real team, but um, the ones that didn't had players that we were trying to, um, you know, look at and see what they could do. So what would you say, uh, Scott, was your biggest takeaway from the preseason? I would say overall pretty encouraged, despite the fact that the Bruins kept losing in overtime and then also losing shootouts. Um, the the classic double loss. Yeah, <laughs> only in preseason. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I feel like a lot of the questions we had, you have to be fairly satisfied with the answers. Like, so second line, first off, Jackson Nika looked good when he played there. Then Charlie Coyle comes back for the preseason finale Wednesday night, and he played well, and, and that line looked good Wednesday night. Um, so I think you feel a little better about that. Now, look, obviously, Coyle's going to need more game time, and you know you don't want to like completely overreact to one game. But given that it was his first game back, that's encouraging. Uh, there seems to be some chemistry there. You know, he talked about how he's just trying to keep up with those two wings with Taylor Hall and Craig Smith. Um, but you know, you can see like you can see the path to that being a successful line. Yeah, I think when we first saw Krejci leaving the Bruins, I at least personally was like kind of like the sky is falling because the the plan at center wasn't exactly clear. I mean, Coyle was the guy you figured would get the tap on the shoulder, but there was still a lot of question marks, especially once we found out he needed the knee surgery. And I mean, like we said, Scott and I were there. It was pretty clear that he was comfortable with his stride and he looked better and he acknowledged that he felt more comfortable Cassidy acknowledged that he was looking better, and I think the fact that he has Smith and Hall on his line to push the pace, first of all, he he's, was a little fatigued because he hasn't gotten any preseason uh, action until last night, but he looked healthier, um, and I think that the surgery was probably the right move to make. I know they couldn't do it last season because it would have ended his season, but I was encouraged by what I saw from him, and he got his goal by going to the net. That's Classically, when he was in Minnesota, how he used to get most of his goals, and I think that that's a good place for him to be. Uh, and also Smith was at the net at the same time. So the line looked like it had chemistry early on, which was a question mark because Krejci had such great chemistry with Hall immediately. So your question was, how could it possibly be like at that level where they could be assisting on each other's goals like that? But I was encouraged by what I saw from from Coyle and his the way he worked with those two. Yeah, and I think that if you're expecting it to look like it was with Krejci, then it's just not going to be the case. And that's okay. They're going to have a different look, a different line. And in addition to Coyle's goal, which, yeah, he was going to the net, the same thing with Hall's goal. I mean, it's 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 a defensive zone face-off win, and um, up the ice they go, and then Smith just nothing fancy, just gets a shot on net. A shot that, um, who was in that last night for the Capitals? Vanacek should have had for sure, um, but he didn't. And then um, Taylor Hall, who was busting down the ice the second the faceoff was won in his own zone, goes hard to the net and just puts home a nice a nice garbage goal. And if that line is moving their feet, um, that's a great start to. Which to Smitty's always moving his feet, always right? Moving. Always. Oh, yeah. And and Hall, because like I mentioned, they kind of push the pace for each other. Hall's been been picking it up too. Yeah, and I think that. Uh, I think there'll be a quicker line than there were with Krejci, and I think that um, it's going to take some time. But Coyle definitely showed uh, last night that it's his job to lose and not Studnika's job to win. 
Um, as great as Jack played in the preseason, he's going to get his chances, and because organically he might um, force himself into the lineup, even if they're healthy. But injuries will occur, and um, we saw one last night with Curtis Lazar, and he might be out longer, or we don't know yet. Um, but he def- he left the game, so Sonika is going to get his shot, and um, when he does, I think he'll take advantage of it. But right now, it's Coyle's job, and I think guys. Um, the Bruins have added two forwards this season that they didn't have last year, and that's Charlie Coyle and Jake DeBrusque. Because for uh, for whatever reason, whether it was Jake feeling um, isolated during COVID or Coyle's knee injuries, uh, they're, they've both shown themselves well in their limited preseason time and both going to the net and getting some goals. And worth mentioning, they their lines have been completely shaken up. They're playing with guys they didn't play with nearly at all last season. So Smith and Hall, obviously Coyle's going to have that. That's going to give him a better chance at boosting his stats back up to where they've been in the past. So he had an 18 goal season uh, with Minnesota and a 20 goal, 21 goal season with Minnesota. And then you got DeBrusque, and DeBrusque last year was playing on that third line. Sometimes with Coyle, sometimes. Drop to the fourth line. Coyle even at one point on the third line was playing wing. So they didn't have any consistency last season. And the fact that DeBrusque is alongside Howla and Felino, I feel like he gets a clean slate. And he looks a lot more confident. And the the best thing about his preseason was he was pretty entertaining in the shootouts. I mean, he looks better in in game action, but he definitely looks confident on those. And I would be surprised if he doesn't get... M- an opportunity every shootout. Hey, he's going to be a, a regular. I, I don't think he missed in, in the preseason. No. I think he was three for three. So, yeah, Jake, Jake Oshie out there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, to that shootout point, though, last year, and it, it kind of goes to show, I think, where DeBrusque's mindset is at right now, and it's a better one than it was last year because as much as he struggled last year um, during play, when they did go to shootouts, he was called upon, and he always tried to, to do that, like, finesse floater yeah um which like worked once and then he kind of just exactly and it just it just didn't pin out for him whereas so far in the preseason um he's shooting to score and and uh i think that is a microcosm of hopefully more to comfort for jake this year yeah and i think holland felino it's like their strengths i think pull out like debrusque's strengths where like holla has the speed and it's like the two of them can just get off to the races and, you know, Hall, at least in preseason so far, is always pushing the pace. And that's going to force DeBrusque to push the pace. And then Felino is always hard on the forecheck. He's always going to the net. Like, he's going to be physical, get to dirty areas. And that I think that'll rub off on DeBrusque where, like, he's going to be like, all right, well, my line mate's doing it. Like, I got to do it too. And so. by the way, it will be very obvious this season if he's not giving a full effort because the pace of that line will kind of weed him out if it's, it won't be successful if he doesn't keep up with that. So uh, we'll know, I assume, fairly quickly whether or not the effort's there and whether or not um, he's keeping up with them. Yeah. And, and obviously, it, it, the effort has been there so far. And, you know, with DeBrusque, one of the things is always consistency because he's, you know, even when he was scoring, even when he was putting up good numbers, he was always streaky. And yeah, sometimes yeah. sometimes when he would start to have bad puck log, that would then kind of spill over into other parts of his game where, like, his whole game would start to go sideways. So that's that stretch is going to happen at some point this season, and we'll see how he does. Because in the past, that's been one of the struggles is, like, once the puck stops going in, then, like, more things start to go wrong and it kind of piles up. 
can he prevent that from happening when his shooting goes cold and, you know, stick to everything else he needs to do and trust that, like, the puck's going to start going in again at some point if he does things the right way. And that last thing you said is kind of what I'll jump into, like, because Cassidy said as much last year, look, the NHL season is, it's a grind, it's 82 games, you're playing, yeah, if you're in the NHL, you're one of the best players in the world, okay, but you're also playing against the other best players in the world, so it's not going to be, you know, sunshine and rainbows all the time, so that's, but when things aren't going your way, when the puck's not going in the net, when you're not piling up assists, what are you doing to help your team win? And that's what Cassidy has always talked about. And that goes for anybody, whether you're Bergeron, Pashnak, Marshan. You know, if those guys aren't scoring, Bergeron in particular, Marshan in particular, you know they're going to find a way to impact the game uh, in a different way, whether it's on the penalty kill or, or, or you know, just some intangible way. So for DeBrusque, he has to understand, okay, if I'm slumping right now, things aren't going my way, what am I doing away from the score sheet to help my team win? Because, I mean, that's the name of the game. You're not always going to be Wayne Gretzky out there. Um, so, and, and to what you said, Scott, when you do have that mindset, you'll get out of slumps quicker because you're playing the right way at all times. Yeah, and, and you know, so obviously we're covering the third line here, and, and, like, that was another question mark that we had going into the preseason because whatever you thought DeBrus Califolino looked like on paper, and, you know, some people are probably very excited about that possi- that line combination. Some probably had questions, but you didn't know until they actually get out there and play, and they've looked good. So I feel like, like that's another... And they've meshed well, so it's like that's another area where you had questions going in that you now probably feel better about after watching these preseason games. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll get to the fourth line at some point because I feel like that's an area where there's still still some concern. But for now, that third line looks pretty good, and that's also a place where if something happens there, someone gets hurt or they're struggling, that's another place Stanika could fill in. Like, I, we, I think we all expect him to start in Providence. It just seems to make the most sense, especially from a numbers perspective. He can be sent down without going through waivers. Basically, everyone else would have to go through waivers. So that makes sense. There's not a natural spot for him in the middle six right now. And Cassie has basically said he doesn't like the idea of using him on the fourth line. Um, it doesn't necessarily make sense. Yeah, I would push back against that because Cassidy has that's, that's also at times said that he wants the fourth line to be more of an offensive zone possession line and one that's going to have a little more pop than in the past. And it's like, well, Stanika would be great for that. What I mean by it doesn't make sense is he was being successful alongside Taylor Hall and Craig Smith, which is a lot different look than when you're playing with, you know, Wagner or Lazar or Nosek. Like, that, you're surrounded by different players that your game's not going to look the same next to. What I would say to that, though, and he only played with, Paul and Smith for like two games. Other than that, he's but playing let's, with... let's. I know you're going to say he's playing with you know some of the younger guys too, but they're playing against younger guys, so it's yeah, hard to gauge. But what I would say is this: I I I'm at a point with Sonika, and I understand that he might not be on the opening night roster because of the numbers game. I get that, and if that's the case, like I said, I understand it. That doesn't mean I like it or I agree with it because I I'm at a point now with Sonika that, um. If he goes down to Providence for like 10, 15 games and puts up 15, 20 points or whatever it is, like he's gotten all the juice out of the out of the orange down in Providence. I think he, whether I think he's going to benefit more 
playing against the big boys in the NHL now, even if it's in a limited fourth-line role. And I guess what I would say about opening night is this. If the Bruins had a fourth line, like the Islanders, where you have Sezikis, Clutterbuck, and Martin, and they just do their job so well, you don't want to tinker with that, fine. Then don't tinker with it. But uh, he Frederick played a little bit better than last night against the Capitals, but I think there was still dash one or two. And he has not, in my opinion, done enough to earn a spot. So I could see, because Nosek is versatile, and Lazar is versatile, and Stanika is, I could put Stanika between Nosek and Lazar. Uh, and, yeah, like, that's, what that's I exactly what I was going to say. Like that That's a line where I think you'd have wings that still kind of complement Stanika's skill set. You're right, like, that would have more pop, there'd be some pace there. Yeah, there's people you could put Stanika with on the fourth line where it wouldn't fit his skills. Like, if you put him on a line with Frederick and Wagner as his wings, mm-hmm. I don't think that's a good fit. But, yeah, Nosek and Lazar, I think, could work. Like, I guess, you know, I get that Cassidy wants, like, something that a fourth line that can be used more in the defensive zone, and, you know, I think he wants some sort of, like, physical identity to it, but, you know, but if it's not going to, if it's not going to be successful, like, the fourth line didn't look good in the preseason, really, at all, maybe for, like, a shift here and there, and, you know, like, they got 10 days before the regular season starts, stuff can change, but, you know, if you get into the season, and Frederick... Nosek, Lazar, or maybe Wagner gets a shot or whatever. Like, if they're just getting pinned in and giving up chances, I mean, Frederick was on the ice for f- at five on five this preseason, five goals against and zero four. Like, that's not sustainable. You get into the regular season and that starts happening, you got to shake it up. He also wasn't mixed. Sorry, Bridget. Go ahead. I was just going to say that the problem that they're having at center is a good problem to have. Like, when you have a young guy coming up that's trying to crack. Uh, you know, the top four center spots in the organization and you can't find a place to plug him in, but he, but he's clearly at an NHL level. That's a good problem to have, especially if injuries come up and Cassidy said so himself uh, after last game. So it's not, I know we're trying to figure out a way to kind of piece it together, but at the end of the day, it, it's only an asset. The fact that he's been able to grow, add size, um, get better and, reach that true NHL level. So it's not, it's us trying to figure out, you know, is he the best option? Well, he's at least a viable option. Uh, so if they need to go to him, they can. And I think that's one of the areas that the Bruins improved on, which was a huge question going into the to the offseason after the whole Krejci, um departure. Yes. And what I would say is that I just, I, I worry at this point now about Sonika's psyche if they send him back down to Providence to start the year because he's done everything to not um, deserve a spot but to earn a spot on, on the opening night roster, whereas Frederick hasn't. And it's been – Frederick had two games, preseason games, after Cassidy called him out essentially, one in Philadelphia and then the last night against the Capitals, and he just didn't bring anything. And I'm watching – uh, you know, McAvoy get get run out last night, and it's preseason. You know what I mean? So it's like you got you got and Bergeron took a big hit in the corner. You know, and and Frederick's just not he's not doing anything to even to even spark up energy even in preseason. And uh, look, I think Frederick could use a kick in the ass. I think that Stanika could start the year, like I said, between Nosik and Lazar, and you know, it wouldn't be forever, but it would be at least in the beginning. To keep him with the team, f- like feel like he's being rewarded for what he's done, and 
he will eventually slide up at some point for one reason or another. And, you know, I like Hala, Felino, and DeBrusque. Maybe in December we're talking Nosik, Hala, and Lazar, and Sanika. You just don't know. But what I, what I do know is that my gut's telling me putting him back down to Providence will F with his head when he doesn't deserve that. And you're, you're, you're giving Frederick a spot who didn't earn it. And I don't, this is what I don't understand about Frederick. He knows exactly what's expected of him and the role he needs to play. And we know he's capable of it, but he just doesn't bring it every night. It's it's an easy role to figure out. And, and he he knows it's been reiterated exactly what he needs to do. And that's the reason why he's he, he shouldn't be getting rewarded for the fact that he just can't get it straight um, with his role. And on the other hand, like you mentioned, Stanika did everything right. So it, I'm sure that's hard for, yeah. for somebody like Sanika to see. And I don't think, I honestly know that Cassidy has Frederick on a short rope. So that, yeah. that'll be a move he makes early yeah. on if, if it continues. And also, Scott, I'll throw this to you. Not for nothing, we talk about the offensive promise for Sanika. He's better defensively than Frederick is. And if the Bruins' fourth line isn't going to be that of the Islanders where they're all, you know, honey badgers hitting everything in sight, fine. There aren't many fourth lines like that. But their fourth line can be a very strong defensive line to go against other teams' top lines. You saw them try it last night. They tried to pair up the Nosek line against the Capitals' top line. And if that's what you want to do with your fourth line, honestly... I think Frederick, uh, not Frederick, uh, Stanika would be better for that with Nosek and Lazar anyway. And I don't want to, we, we don't want to beat this horse a little too much, but like, it, it's very relevant. And um, Cassidy has, you know, what, nine more days to make that opening night lineup, so. Yeah, and, you know, I guess it, we should mention that as of now, as of Thursday when we're, we are recording this, uh, Stanika is still with the team. He has not been sent down yet. Um, unclear if or when they'll make that decision. They have five more cuts to make before opening night. Um, so, you know, if he's still up here, he's practicing with the team on Friday, possibly through the weekend and into next week. Like, you know, we'll see if and when they finally make that decision. Um, you know, as I, as I said earlier, like I'm okay with them starting the season with this plan that they've had with their set 12 and, you know, Wagner is the 13th forward, I guess. Um, but I just wouldn't – I wouldn't have a very long leash. Like, if if that fourth line isn't doing what you need it to do and doesn't have an identity, like, I, I just – I wouldn't hesitate to try to change that up. So, you know, we'll see. And maybe that even happens before then. Maybe yeah. they get into some of these practices over this next week and a half. And, you know, they're going to have to have some competitive practices and probably scrimmages in there. Because you're not going to go 10 days with, like, just doing drills. You know, you've got to have some competitiveness out there. Um, maybe Cassie makes the call even before then and says, you know what, this this line isn't working out the way that I thought. You know, let's shake it up sometime during this stretch. And this talk about the fourth line and, you know, are we going to go with toughness, speed, defensive players – leads kind of into another subject we wanted to talk about, which is something that the Bruins are still lacking, and I'll throw it to Brian, and that's their toughness and their their physicality. Yeah. There's a hole. There is. And, you know, I, I brought up I brought up Nick Ritchie before the show and Scott and Scott uh laughed at me like I was a stand up comedian. But um I, I more so brought up It was that a good up. joke. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm here all night. Um 
But I more so brought that up because. Well, what did you say? Explain well, what you said. Ah uh, man, I, uh, you said you you were yeah. fine that they moved on from yeah. Kasha, yeah. but maybe should have kept Nick Ritchie. Yeah, well, Kasha's he's he's Scotch tape, right? So we don't need that. As he scores like twenty five goals. Yeah, no, yeah, this well, year. he will, he will. But um, you know, yeah, he he could do real well in Toronto. Just that style of play. And Ritchie, like I said, might put up thirty with them because of the way they use him on the power play. He looks like looks like Oshi or Burge running the bumper. Did you see those Canadians highlights? He had two goals in the first. But anyway, um, I'm okay they got rid of uh, Richie as a player, but um, Richie was a guy who, if you threw him out on the ice um, to, to, to answer for somebody else taking runs at your guys, he could step up. And, you know, I don't think he's lost a fight in the NHL. He's not fighting every night like John Scott used to, but he knows how to fight. And, you know, if, if somebody takes a run at uh, Pashnak or McAvoy, Bergeron, Marchand, Grizzly, whoever, you know, they can answer to... Kevin Miller in the past, if he was healthy, or Nick Ritchie, or you know, obviously Char back in the day. They don't, they don't have that anymore. They have Derek Forbert. They have Trent Frederick, who you know likes to chirp Subban more than he actually likes to fight. Um, and you know, they ha- they have a couple guys that can scrap like Lazar or or Wagner or Carlo. But my point is, if if a team wants to go out there and take liberties with the, against the Bruins and get them off their game, they can because there's nobody in that lineup. And so I. I fear that that could be an issue. Think about the guys who were retaliating for stuff like that last year. We're talking about early in the season, Miles Wood is mm-hmm. taking liberties with some of the Bruins stars, and Kevin Miller steps mm-hmm. up. No more Kevin Miller. In the playoffs, Woodsy, my, Wilson, go- my golf buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the playoffs, Wilson is a problem for the Bruins. And Jared Tenorti steps up. Now, obviously, yeah. he was playing, that was his role to play. And yep. he, he's gone as well. I'm not saying that you know his talent was going to be enough to keep him in the NHL. But in those situations, those were guys that stepped in yep. and did what they were supposed to. Frederick did it on a few occasions, but I don't think yeah. that he instills fear the way that those no. other the Richie Tenorti at times and uh, Kevin yeah. Miller. Well, did. and also like uh, like Derek Forbert, I'm sure is capable of of doing it, but he's not by any means a heavyweight. I, I've seen a few of his fights and. You know he had, he he uh, he took a hit from like this small rookie on Vancouver last year. Forward, I'm talking about when he was with Winnipeg, and so he he, he got pissed off and started cross checking him, and a little scrum ensued, whatever. So then the Canucks threw out one of their tough guys, um, and he kind of tuned up Forbert. And so look, he's if Wilson or or, or uh, somebody like that takes takes runs, I don't know, but um, I will say Nick Foligno does have a, a, a fight against Ryan Reeves and Tom Wilson. You can look him up on YouTube and. I wouldn't say he won either of those fights, but he he definitely held his own. But you don't want him, you don't want him being that. You want him being a a veteran guy who can score twenty for you. A quick I think point: he... you, Can I say one quick thing sure. before you respond to that? Sorry, Scott. Uh, Felino is the kind of guy that plays old school hockey, and so he knows the situations that he has to do it, even though he may not be the best at it. So he he's able to set the tone that you know he has to in that old school sense. Like last year, he had a fight. With Corey Perry, that yeah. Perry didn't even 100% mean uh, to injure his teammate, but yeah. he was that's like, a, let's settle this now because otherwise people are going to get off their game and go run at Perry. Yeah. So he's he not, knows when to do that. Yeah. And, he's, and he's not a punching bag. Like, Felino can throw a punch, but. Yeah, and, and I think he could do that. Like, I could see if Felino was still like a clear top six forward, you wouldn't want him doing that. He's playing in your bottom six. He's probably not going any higher than that, barring injury. So, like, I would be okay with Felino handling some of that stuff. At least I think Forboard, you know, Frederick, if he's in there, it, it's not as much of a concern for me. I just don't think that's 
all that important in today's NHL. Um, right. And look, guys have been responding to someone like Tom Wilson for years, and Tom Wilson hasn't changed. Like, guys fight him, and Tom Wilson fight. Like, Tom Wilson loves to fight. Like, that it makes him happy. So, you know, like, that's not... The idea that he's going to have to answer to someone hasn't changed his game in that's seven true. years now, so... It's not, you know, it's not going to start now if you have someone out there who can kick his ass. Well, like, what, I, what I will say, and, and, and who knows, maybe maybe somebody from the uh, the Danbury Trashers, is that, was that the Netflix documentary? Yeah. Maybe we can grab somebody that's <laughs> retired. Um, but when, when Bridget poses that question, we kind of got into like the, you know, uh, eye for an eye type thing with Tom Wilson. But when, I, when she asks that, I more so think of it not who can answer to Tom Wilson or Ryan Reeves or somebody hit somebody. I'm thinking... Like when they played the Blues in the finals, or the Islanders last year, or even Tampa the year before. When I think of team toughness, like yeah, there's a fighting aspect, but how how are they between the whistles? And I think that like the Islanders and some of these bigger teams, they're tougher than the Bruins. They play tougher than the Bruins as a team. They're they're bigger, and so like you know, no bringing over like Ryan Reeves isn't going to help or prevent Matt Grizzly getting forechecked in Game Six of a playoff series against a big team and turn a puck over. Like I just think that they need, they need to be a little bit bigger, and I think they address that with Forbert and Carl is a big boy, but I just think that um, I, I just think they, they they lack a little bit of size overall, and that goes a long way, not so much in October, November, December, but certainly in the second half of April and May and June. Think about the year that the Bruins beat Vancouver for the Stanley Cup. Their physicality that year was most important because it had guys on Vancouver looking over their shoulder like who's coming as soon as I touch the puck who's coming to, to keep me in check and it worked very well against the Sedins that year there's some other players in the league that if they just know that you're coming they might have to take a second to to pause and that could be enough to get back on D a little bit so that's another way to look at it I, I do think the Bruins Scott will be tougher another way to be tough is to be quick and like I think adding players like Nosek and Halla, players and, and Craig Smith for a, a real full season and, and, and Taylor Hall, um, you know you add speed on a forecheck that makes you tough to play against because because you know defense are not necessarily looking over their shoulder because Hall is going to put them to the boards but they don't want to turn the puck over and if if you're forechecking quick and you can make defense and make a decision before they want to that creates turnovers so. It's not just body checking and fighting that makes you tough. It, it, there's a lot of intangibles, and I think the Bruins, in some ways, have addressed that more so than last year. But I think on the on the back end, I think they could be a little bit uh, a little bit bigger. Maybe um, we'll see. Maybe, but I also think sometimes we get a, a little bit of recency bias in terms of like what it takes to win a cup because there's been there's been a lot of these articles about like well, all the Lightning's defensemen are you know. 6'2 or bigger or whatever it is. And, um, you know, and the Islanders have big defensemen. But then it's like, all right, but, like, it wasn't that long ago that, St. Louis did. that the Penguins won back-to-back cups with, you know, what would be considered a smaller skill team. Yeah. Um, you know, the Blackhawks weren't the biggest team in the world when they were winning. Like, I still think, you know, like, I, I don't think you have to build like that. Like, you don't have to build the exact same team as the Lightning to win a cup right now. You've you've got to have something different that's going to beat them, like, but it doesn't necessarily necessarily have to be at their own game. And you know, I just think like if you're a skilled enough team and you're playing well, and 
yes, you can like you're gonna have to find a way to not get three defensemen injured in the playoffs. And to that point, yes, obviously being bigger helps. But also, if you're quicker, if you're just smarter, if you have a you know make plays, get the puck off your stick, like that's another way you can do it. And you know, I, I asked Cassidy about this like a probably a week or two ago. Another hard hitting uh, Scott McLaughlin question. <laughs> when he when you know Scott when it was McLaughlin, clear, W-E-I. yeah, when it was clear that he's rolling with you know Grizzly Clifton third pair. Um, you know, I asked him. I was like. Generally, you've had size somewhere on that third pair, whether it was Kevin Miller or Jeremy Lausanne or whoever. Like, usually there's someone who's kind of the more physical player on that pair. And I was like, you know, is there any concern about, like, that being two undersized defensemen? Grizzlick's 5'9", Clifton's 5'11", I think. And he was like, well, you know, the idea is that they're going to be quicker than whatever. Like, if they're facing the bottom of teams' lineups, they should be quicker than the forwards that they're facing. And that's how they should get out of it is use their foot speed, make quick passes. And I think that's going to work against a lot of teams. Um, You know, does it work when you get against uh, really deep teams that have good, you know, really good fourth lines? We'll have to see. There aren't a whole lot of those teams in the NHL. So for the most part, I think, yeah, you're going to go through the season. Grizzly and Clifton will be able to escape pressure against teams that aren't as deep. And then you hope that, if they're still together, obviously a ton can change between now and the playoffs. Yeah, because Scott, even you yourself said that Cliff, it was kind of assumed that Clifton would take that sixth spot, but he's it's become more of a question mark. Yeah, so I, I wonder how much... So Cassie has talked about um, the sixth defenseman spot as being a competition. He's said that a couple of times. And I wonder how much of that is to just kind of motivate Clifton versus... Reality now, maybe part of it is that John Moore has played pretty well this preseason. He wants more to feel like he has a chance to be re- rewarded for that. Jakob Zaboral, I think, has been okay, solid enough. Yeah, I, I you know I don't think he's made like a great push for playing time, but he's been fine. Um, but I also think I, I think Clifton's played pretty well. Like, I don't think he's had a bad preseason by any means. So that doesn't strike me as like Clifton's on the verge of losing the job. It might just be. A little bit to motivate him because in the past, um, you know, Clifton's always been the one trying to unseat guys ahead of him. Like he's always had to fight up to get into the lineup, and now he's kind of the incumbent who has a spot. And you know, sometimes that takes different motivation to try to get a guy to understand, like, hey, you've still got to work just as hard as before and scrap the way you always have when you haven't been guaranteed a spot. So I think some of that might be just motivating Clifton, trying to get more out of him. Well, another motivating factor for Clifton this year is uh, the hat on your head. He was exposed to, to Seattle, right? And he knows that. So I think that's 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 motivational for him going into the season. Like, hey, look, they were willing to part with me if, if, if it came to that. And uh, he, honestly, it was probably a coin flip between him and Lausanne. I agree. I, I think that I, I actually thought they were going to take Clifton. Yeah. Um, but they went with size. And, 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 and they went and with youth, youth and, and youth. team control. Yeah, and youth. But, uh... Scott, I'm actually glad you brought up the the recency bias thing with how teams are winning because you're right actually about that. You know, the Blackhawks didn't really I mean, granted Duncan Keith and, and Brent Seabrook were like, you know, one and two or, or one and three for like top Canadian defensemen in the world during those cup runs. Um, as evident by the twenty ten and fourteen Olympics. But um Chicago didn't have huge back ends, because, uh, I mean Buffalo in twenty ten was actually used as a forward. And 
the um, the penguins. The penguins in fifteen sixteen or sixteen seventeen. That's kind of a very like forgotten back to back team. Um, and you you look at the the first year specifically that when they played San San Jose, they lost Chris Letang like pretty much the whole playoffs, and their decor was led by like Brian Dumoulin and Trevor Daly, and uh, I you know forgive. You mean for whoever I'm missing, but they weren't they weren't standouts and they weren't big, but and also another team that was very successful besides the Bruins the last ten twelve years was uh, the Kings and Drew Doughty was a star a star but they had maybe uh, was they, it Regeer or like you know they had a couple guys that were like decent size but nothing nobody huge on the back end there yeah but what I would say about those teams is that whether it was Jonathan Quick or Corey Crawford. Who else won a cup for the Blackhawks in that besides Crawford? There was one other person. Uh, Nabokov? No, no. Niemi? I don't know. And then, Might have uh, been Niemi. And then yeah, it was, and then was a combination of Flurry and... Uh, Murray. Murray, right? So they had the goaltending going for them, which, if you guys don't mind, I think maybe we'll talk about the goaltending real quick in the Bruins preseason because, you know, Allmark, it's early. It's a new team. It's a new system. It's preseason. It's not that big of a deal. And let's not forget, he, he finished last season injured, so he, yeah. you know, been a long time since he've, he's been in game yeah. action. He had a, re- a recovery of his own that he had to get through this offseason. Yep. This is this is not me, and I, I feel like we're all on the same page, so I don't want to speak for you guys, but I, I, I kind of know where your minds are at with him. But, like, this is not me, like, saying that he sucks and, 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 and he won't turn it around. But what I will, because the Bruins are going to need him this year. Like, no matter what you think about him, they're gonna they're gonna need him for at least you know thirty, thirty five, forty games. It's just it's the way that it's gonna be. Um, but please spare me the argument of, well, we can't. You, you, Swayman's not gonna start because he's only played thirty games in his life uh, in a season, um, or like we paid Allmark five million to be. Please don't tell me that because I watched Cassidy go with two last year in the playoffs when he was hurt over Swayman, who, like, was healthy and could have stolen a few games and maybe changed the tenor of a series. I don't want to see another situation where for, where they're, they're finding reasons not to start Swayman. Like, the kid is... It's not just the numbers. It's the eye test. Like, the way he challenges shooters, the way he's engaged, the way he fights through screens, the way he plays the puck... He and likes the, adversity. And, and, and You can and see it in his, in his he's like, composed, voice. He's confident, yeah. and... and like, even the goal that he gave up against the Flyers uh, on the, the right circle on the power play, he was there. He he, he didn't get beat uh, to the spot. It just kind of... He wanted it back, but it's it squeaked under his arm. But my point is, he looks great. So, don't start Allmark night one because you're paying him $5 million or because he's older. Play the guy who is going to give you the best chance to win, you know, opening night, and then go from there. And they're both going to play a lot, but... I don't know. What do you guys, what have you guys yeah. seen from the goalie so far? Yeah, I mean, that's basically my take. Is like, to your point, they're both going to play a lot. It wouldn't be surprising at all if, in the end, it's around 50-50. You know, maybe it stretches, you ride the hot hand, three out of four, or whatever. Um, but, like, they're going to have to split. Neither one has been a 60-game workhorse before, so you you don't have that on this roster. So, yeah, it's you know, maybe it's a... 50 30 what 45 35 split but it's gonna be pretty close to 50 50 and um as far as opening night goes to me that's just an opportunity to reward someone on merit and swayman has earned that reward 
Um, you know, it, it would it would be nice for him to know that, like, hey, I know I've had a really strong preseason and training camp, and it's nice that you know the coaching staff, goalie Bob, Bruce Cassidy, uh, have recognized that and are putting me in opening night. And on the flip side, like maybe that motivates Allmark, right? You know, he's when he signs that he probably thinks like I'm, you know, I'm the number one, or at least I'm I'm the veteran, I'm the one getting paid the most. Not to say that like that's caused any sort of complacency because I don't think it has. I think he's just, you know, it's been a little bit of an adjustment, and he struggled this preseason. Um, but maybe that's you know a little bit of the kind of kicking the kicking the rear for him too. Is hey, you know, this kid is really good, and and they'll start him if I'm not playing well. You mentioned the Bruins goalie coach, Bob Asenza, and the the thing about the Bruins that you have to keep in mind is that Bob has a lot, if not almost 100% of the say, and Cassidy trusts him completely to make that decision, who to go with in net. So I, don't, I think that he's not really biased. He doesn't care about the contract. He's going to tell you, this guy's ready to go. This guy needs more work. So I think that they trust that, and I, if they go by what Bob Asenza says they are going to be able to make better decisions, and that may mean going with Swayman um, more often or that kind of 50-50 split you're talking about. I would generally agree with you, but I do think it's fair to wonder, like, last year was Bob Asenza kind of, you know, part of trusting Tuca because they obviously have had such a long relationship and such a good relationship, you know, does Bias cre- did bias creep in there last year? Where well, we're talking about two guys that are new to the system this time. Yes, true. But I'm just saying, like Bob Sons is a great goalie coach. It's why he's been the Bruins goalie coach for a long time, and they've had great goaltending for a long time under him. Um, you know, not like far be from me to question what Bob Sons does because it's works pretty damn well. But he's also like not infallible, and oh. I think. You know, last year specifically, whether it's him, Cassie, whoever, like, they were probably too attached to Rask or too trusting to Rask and, you know, weren't willing to, weren't willing or able to make a tough call to go to Swayman when they probably should have. And that's true. I guess I was just more thinking only about this season um, because it's a different situation. And both of these guys, obviously, he's been working with Swayman longer than he's been working with Allmark, but he's going to have the best understanding and the Bruins trust him. The organization trusts Bob Asenza to make that uh, call. And I think the players and the fans should also trust that. Well, Bobby better get his shit together for opening (laughs) night because look, it's similar to Sanika for me. It's not about October 16th against Dallas because it's one of 82. So Jack, Sanika not playing an opening night or Swayman not playing an opening night. It's not about the actual game. It's more about their mentality and their psyche that I'm concerned about, and I want them to be rewarded, like Scott said. And when you're talking about who's who's playing in goal, and you can date this back to last playoffs, okay? It's not just about the goalie himself and how he plays, okay? Because last year, in Game 6 down in Long Island, the Bruins played like absolute you know, garbage in front of Tuca, okay? It, it's not that Tuca... Look, he didn't play a great game, but his team in front of him sucked that night. And that, to me, is what you have to consider when you when you think about who you're playing in goal. It's not just about the goalie and how he plays. It's about how does that how does your team play in front of that goalie. So, for example, 
okay, so Brian, how could the Bruins have played you know better against the Islanders last year? If they if they sucked in front of Tuca, they would have sucked in front of Swayman. Wrong, because when you, you play protect in, a, when you when you rookie. play in front of Tuca, there's a there's a there's a sense of security that if we f up, he's going to be there to stop us. Why? Because he's been doing that for ten years. Makes sense. But when you have a young goalie in that, you play a little bit more protective. You play a little bit hard. Not not intentionally. I think it's subconscious that you might play a little bit harder in front of them. So for whatever reason, the Bruins play that way in front of Swayman. And going into this year, like I just think that he you you need to. I think the Bruins need to ha- have faith in him and, and, and let him know that. And I think that if I were to give a percentage, I would I would like Swayman to play like fifty five percent of the games this year, and then pl- in the, into the playoffs. Um, and I guess we'll give it some time. Um, you know, if if we're sitting here in November, December, January, and Allmark just has been a dud. Then at that point, it'll be fair to ask the question: Did the Bruins rush into signing a, a goalie for five million, or would they have been better off signing a cheaper veteran to back up Swayman? And you can double, you can double um, guess. You guys second guess, second, second guess, <laughs> double guess, triple guess. Well, I don't even know. Triple crown. Um, you know, daily double. <laughs> no whammies. Um, should they have known to trust you know Swayman? Um, but again, time will tell. Let's go back to something that we talked to Andrew Raycroft about um, earlier in our preseason episodes. He said that Allmark was the best signing the Bruins made in the offseason. Do you guys agree with that after what you've seen? Um, I still think he could be. Uh, I still like Allmark, too. Like his, He was good in Buffalo on, on a bad team. Like Had a winning record, had good numbers, had really good underlying numbers. Again, you know, I... Won't we'll go too deep into all the nerd stuff, but um, like it's it's all impressive. So he, he like he didn't do that by giving up all the rebounds or getting beat five hole like he had like he has this preseason. So obviously he's capable of not doing that, of not having those struggles. Um, you know, obviously just needs time. Like he's not playing well right now, and he's got ten days before the regular season starts to. Keep practicing, keep working at it, do whatever he needs to do. But there's a good goalie in there, and the Bruins are going to get good goaltending from him. I'm still confident in that because I don't think two and a half preseason games, no. you know, tells us what we need to know about him. No, such a small sample size yeah. that we're like maybe the first game he played, it was like, oh wow, and then now it's like, oh no. So it's definitely some a little bit of overreacting at this point, and I agree, because yeah. I've been getting texts from people, what did the Bruins do signing Allmark? I'm like, ah, right. I'm not ready to really, like, go that far And, and even to, you, to your point, like, yeah, realistically, it's actually, like, one and a half preseason yeah. games, because that first preseason game, when, or two preseason games, I guess, because that first one, when he played half the game, he gave up two goals, but, like, we were all saying after, like, not really his fault, not on him. Like, I mean, when I looked at Allmark this preseason... It was very simple for me. It was just like, I haven't really seen him, so I, I wanted to see like how he was as a goalie, the, his style of play. And the first thing I noticed was his size, which is great. Um, but then, you know, like Raycroft told us that he was very uh, flexible, acrobatic goaltender for his size. And like, I'm watching these first few games, and um, Scott mentioned earlier he's coming off you know an injury at the end of last year. New system, new defense that he's working um, you know, behind, but a couple things I know I, I noticed was like there's been a few plays one one where they actually got scored against, but 
he seems slow going side, going from post to post. Like there's been the Bruins. I forget who they're playing. Maybe Philly. I don't know. But they got scored against on a wraparound. It was a broken play in front of him, um, or a turnover. What happened leading up to the goal was not Allmark's fault, but he did get beat on a wraparound. And then the other night against the Rangers or something like that, he got beat on another wraparound, but I think it hit somebody's skate or stick, so it didn't go in. And it's just little things I've noticed. He seems a little slow so far. Yeah, and on Wednesday, you could tell the Capitals tried like several wraparounds, especially early in that game. So you can kind of see that like, there's a scouting report there, like, hey, he's going to be slow post to post. Yeah. Now, because he's a bigger goalie, you can overcome that slowness if you're positioned well. Um, so, you know, maybe that's part, maybe it's his positioning needs to get back is whatever. Um, you know, Rask wasn't fast going side to side. Like he did it with positioning. So you can, like, you can get by with that. Um, but his positioning has definitely been off at times and he's looked scrambly. Like he's looked like he's had to lunge to try to get back. And if you're not that kind of quick goalie, like, like Swayman is like, I think, now, Swayman's great positionally, too, but I think like if Swayman gets kind of caught a little off his line or out of net, he can get he can get back pretty quickly. Allmark, you just need him to be in that better position to start with, and you know that's that'll that'll come with more game time. Yeah, and, and you you've seen look, there's good things too. Like like he's he's a big body, so like we've seen some plays where you know there are some challenging or what would be challenging saves in tight. But he's able to kind of snug up against the post and use his size to kind of just eat those pucks. And, and they kind of seem like easy saves, but they're not. But his size is allowing him to kind of make those. You know, you saw him make a really nice save against Oshie in the shootout where he was able to, um, you know, Oshie made a, made a move that would score 9 out of 10 times. But all mark size, he was able to stretch from post to post and stop that. So uh, it's early for him. But what I would say is, you know, when you're talking about the Bruins and I just think that they're in such a... T- we'll get into this stuff next next week when we do our uh, season predictions and stuff, but I think the I just think that the um, Atlantic Division is, if not the toughest division in, in hockey, it's 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 right there with um, maybe the Central, but um, a fast start is important for all these teams, especially when you have um, some older players. I think that it's going to be important for the Bruins to get off to a good start, and I think that... Swayman looks like he's ready to be that guy right now for them and get them those early those October points which believe it or not are as important as April points um whereas it's not going to you know kill Allmark to to you know keep getting reps in practice and, and stuff like that for the, you know leading into his first start this year whatever that is I think that's how I would go that's just me what do I know I'm not an NHL <laughs> coach just a New Hampshire JV hockey coach former <laughs> hockey coach <laughs> Yeah, I mean, right. To, to your point, like it's start with Swayman. He's he's earned it, and if if Allmark's even game two, like that's fine. Like if you want to get the rotation going right off the bat, that makes perfect sense to me. You, you, there's you know there's no reason to like overwork anyone early, early in the season. So like I don't need Swayman starting the first four or anything. But yeah, he he deserves to start opening night for sure. Um. Were there any other things we want to discuss? Because again, we do have we have next week's podcast, which will be our last before the real season starts. Um, and, and in that episode, we will break down the the, the season and the division and expectations, blah blah blah. Um, were there any other preseason notes around the league or locally that you guys wanted to chime about? Uh, we'll probably get into this more next week. But uh, speaking of the division, news broke uh, today, Thursday, that. 
Carey Price is going to miss some time with mm-hmm. the Canadians, and you know, no one knows any of the details. It's you know classified reasons that he's taking some time away from playing. Obviously, you know, first and foremost, you just hope everything's okay with him. But secondly, like it's you know, the Canadians, I think we're in line for a pretty sizable step back, anyways. Coming off a run to the Cup final, they lost a lot from last year's team. They're already without Shea Weber for I think all season. Basically, they lost Kotkaniemi to Carolina for nothing. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Um, they, so they, they lost Jake. Payback's Phil, a bitch. They lost Philip Dano. Like, yep. They they have Jake Allen as their as their option, and, and he's good. I like Jake Allen, but he's not going to be like a number true number one workhorse. Like they've got to have. I don't know who their next goalie up is, but. They're going to have to have someone splitting time with them. And it's kind of an indefinite thing with Carey Price because it's, I believe, typically a month that you start out with um, in this NHLPA program um, for mental health. Uh, All they said was it was mental health related. They didn't really get into anything. I don't think they even said that. I think it was like extremely... um, Put in a post, um, take care of your mental health. Um, So it has something to do with that, nonspecific, but... Uh, that's only the beginning is is a month, so more it could end up being more. Um, so it's kind of an indefinite situation for them at this point. Yeah. So, like I said, like that's just you know we'll be doing more division stuff next week, but that news just broke and obviously caught everyone's attention. Um, and it's it's another blow to a team that I think is going to struggle to keep up in the in this division. So a hundred percent. I mean, look. Let's, let's let's call it the way that it is. They had, they weren't they didn't even crack the top sixteen last year. It just it was just the way that the league was formatted. They made the playoffs, and you know kudos to them for somehow getting through Vegas specifically. Um, I mean anybody can get through the Toronto in the first round, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know I, I think uh, yeah Montreal is due for a major step back. I mean they're I I think I think the Atlantic has four of the top six teams in the in the East, so uh, Montreal is going to be. You know, in a dogfight, but they won't. They won't be there. And they heavily rely on Carey Price. Yeah, in the past. I mean, Price Weber, and not to mention locker room. You know, he's a veteran, yeah. so that yeah. there's that too. Yeah, I mean, Price is gone. Weber's gone. Uh, two of your top three centers walked. You brought in Fisher, so great. Uh, Dvorak. Um, speaking of uh, Arizona, by the way, kudos to them for bringing back the white Kachina jerseys. I mean, yeah. I, I'll say this between. Between we this, have a lot of jersey talk on this podcast. <laughs> oh, I, I, I love I love uniform talk, but you know why? Here, here's why: because back in 07, 08, when the um, when when Reebok took over the NHL's jerseys, uh, a lot of teams had like those gross jerseys with like awful striping and and socks that didn't so- sock stripes that didn't go all the way around, and the, so many teams looked like garbage. And then for like ten years, and then in just the last season and a half. The Flames have gone back to their Atlanta Flames jerseys, which are sick. The the uh, the Senators went back to their '93 jersey set, which is sick. Uh, the Coyotes are full blown '90s again. I just need the Ducks to go back. Yeah, to the, I was gonna uh, say the like, they, they, go they're the one hold that's still if, if the, if the, I think the Ducks probably have are the only team in the league right now whose jerseys I do not like. So you know, NHL is doing it well. But um, oh, I did have one. Others. What's that? And so there's gonna be others. I, uh... You don't, you don't like the the Kraken's white jerseys. I yeah, understand. I true. I get, I get that. I think he needs a spinoff podcast, just fashion, jersey fashion. I would love to, I, pasta, I, pasta, man bun or no I man bun. I would love to see. I'd love to see the Winnipeg Jets go back to yeah. their old old style. Uh, the, the, the Jet, the Jets, are, the Jets. Uh, there's a lot. There's lots to be desired with the Jets. I would say Vancouver. I would love to see them go back to the uh, 
the Pavel Bure ones, or maybe the, even the Sedin ones from like the '90s too, whichever ones. But I don't like the green and blue for Vancouver. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Oh, it's I do. It's I okay. Do. Except now with the Kraken, now they're like the same colors. Like you got yeah. those regional rivals, and they're basically the same colors. Yeah. I don't like the blue pants for the Avalanche. Yeah, I know. I'm with you on that one. I'm with, I mean, it, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm with you on that one. Um, well, a quick note, actually, on the uh, on the Rangers, though. Because I think, ES, was it ESPN? Who had the opening night game between the Rangers and the Capitals? Which is going to be prime time, and it was going to be a, it was going to be a opening face-off fight between Reeves and Wilson. Now, mm. it looks like Reeves might be out because he snapped his leg, pretty much, because Subban slew-footed him. And then, and then, you know, he's like... Oh, pull the whistle! Playing the, it's like Subban. You clearly, you know. Did you see the highlight? Yeah. It's like he's sitting there trying to be a good Samaritan. Oh, yo, dude, you slew for up. and they, he won a fight, Kreider. So that was that was gonna be a must-watch game, and it looks like Reeves might be out. And there's no update on that Reeves injury, yeah. but it just when you watch it, it kind of makes you a little bit nauseous. Like you know that those ligaments, if they didn't break, yeah. that would be. I, they at least like tore a little bit. It just yeah. it looked anytime, nasty. Anytime you see like a leg kind of like like it looked like it like kind of jammed on the ice. And, well, and it then looked like it was going the twist. wrong way for a Not second, good. which is never yeah. good. Uh, one other uh, news that broke recently too. I forget who tweeted out. It was one of the um, high end Canadian insiders over there in TSN or something oh, like that. Yeah. But some somebody brought up the fact that uh, things are starting to move quicker on the Jack Eichel front. And the uh, only reason yes. I bring it up because I could give two. You know, you know what's about how Buffalo does this year, and obviously it helps the Bruins if he's not poorly. Gonna They're going to do poorly. <laughs> yes, but I want I want Eichel to be, I want his situation to be figured out because first of all, he's one of the brightest stars in the game. He just he's been on a shit team and he hasn't had a lot of injury luck. But um, you know, for us that are counting the minutes till February, you know he's going to be a big loss for Team USA if he can't get surgery and rehab in time to be back for the Olympics. I like how that's Brian's main priority is just like, I need to see him team USA ready to go. Well, I want to see the, I want to see the best versus the best. And he, and and to have Matthews and Eichel as your number one and two centers in the Olympics, as opposed to like Matthews and. Yeah. Then, cause then you're looking for someone to step up. Like Eichel is the obvious fit as that number two center behind Matthews. Whereas like without him, maybe you get, you know, an, Jack Hughes took a step forward last year for sure. Maybe you get another big step forward from him. Like yeah, I think he he's will. one you'd be looking to. You know, Dylan Larkin really never quite took out. Like he might still have a spot on the team, but it should be lower in the lineup. Same with like a guy like Vincent Trocheck. Like he would be lower in the lineup. So yeah, like you would be like you'd be like the Bruins. You would be searching for your number two center. And it's still absurd to me that maybe they can use Charlie Coyle too. <laughs> It's I, a, I hear he's from somewhere in the United States. Yeah, he might be uh, from Massachusetts. But uh, it's still absurd to me that Eichel hasn't been allowed to make that personal decision for himself. That doesn't sit right with me. I know that it's in the collective bargaining agreement, but that just, on a, just a human level, doesn't sit right with me. And it's pretty clear he doesn't want to play for Buffalo, so why are they still trying to control that part of his life? It doesn't make any sense. So I feel bad for the situation that he's in. I hope he ends up finding a better spot. I mean, anywhere's better than Buffalo. So, uh, yeah, I hope he gets what? it worked out. And they said that the reason why things are kind of coming together more quickly now is because of the media coverage that's been going on, kind of getting more information, making it look a little bit worse on Buffalo's part so that they're kind of not liking yeah. the negative PR. Well, th- there was a mm. column in The Athletic that had good in-depth reporting in addition to just like being an opinion column that ripped the Sabres to shreds. And, like, that went pretty viral and 
got noticed by a lot of people. Yeah. And yeah, and obviously there's been plenty of other stuff, but like yeah, it's it's a it's a horrible PR situation for the for the Sabres. Like it's I, I think it crossed that point long ago, but it's like to the point where probably just in the course of less than a year the fan base has gone from like we gotta do whatever we can to keep Eichel to like please for the love of God just like get the situation over with. This is unbearable. Yeah. And, it's a tough and they situation. lose Taylor Hall, so it's For, just whoa, 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 it's whoa, whoa. A, it's a disaster. They, not, they, they never even had Taylor, Taylor Hall, Hall really. <laughs> it's true. Wait a minute, wait a minute. They did not lose Taylor Hall. They gained Anders Bjork. Yeah. <laughs> Your favorite player. Come on, Bridge. Uh, but also, he's not Taylor Hall. One other thing I want I want to bring up, uh, Scott, you were pretty uh, animated to say the least on uh, on Twitter because uh, Team USA announced Seth Jones as their number one D man. What does that even mean? Yeah, so, like... What's, 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 all that means... First off, like, I don't even understand, like, why they're doing this. To, yeah. They're picking three guys to wear the jerseys when... Yeah, you know, to go when do PR stuff, which... I get it, not important, but, like... I just hope the people picking Team USA don't think Seth Jones is their number one defenseman. Because based on how he played last year, he is not. And, like, I fully expect him to make the team, and I expect him to bounce back this year with Chicago. Like, I think he'll be better. There's a Bowman connection there now, too. Yeah, which is, I think, part of it, for sure. Um, but, yeah, it's like it's just funny to me that, you know, all right, they're going to prop Seth Jones up as their num- as like the one defenseman in that group with Patrick Kane and Austin Matthews, who, whatever you think of Matthews and Kane, like, they're clearly kind of the faces of Team USA. Um, but, like, come on. Like, you have Adam Fox and Charlie McAvoy, yeah. who have both very clearly passed Seth Jones and should be the top two defensemen on the right side for Team USA. So I'm I'm like I'm just dreading that they're gonna list Seth Jones first on the depth chart and he's gonna play like twenty seven minutes a game and McAvoy's gonna play eighteen and it's gonna be like, what are we doing here? Yeah. But it, it's kinda silly. I, I admit that. Like it's not it's not worth really getting upset about. Yeah. It's meaningless PR stuff. Um, by the way, David Pasternak, one of the first three for the Czech Republic Olympic yes. team. Well, of so. course. Along with uh, Voracek and Palat. Yeah. Yeah, I-, I think the Czech will be a good team. We'll, we'll, have, we'll, have, a, we'll have an Olympics podcast I later, can't wait for that. I have so many thoughts. Uh, Thomas Noshek might make the Czech team. Well, and Jakob Zaborl. Because like, like, that team's depth falls off really quickly. So, so. Yeah. so, I mean, as it pertains to the Bruins, like, honestly... It's tough enough to go through 82 games healthy and get to the playoffs. The Brewers are going to have, off the top of our heads here, you have Bergeron, Marchand, you have... Pasta. Pasternak, maybe no seconds of let's, let's just max, okay? So that's five. Is Allmark going to be a... He'll be one of Sweden's three goalies. Okay, so that's six. Who knows McAvoy. if he actually plays, uh, but he'll Hala, be there. seven. Um, McAvoy, eight. That's at least eight. And you never know... It, you, you can make a case for Taylor Hall, too, if, if he has a huge season by yeah. the time that they make those. You never know. So hopefully they can get through the Olympics healthy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that's that's for a different day. All right. I, I'm good if you guys are all set to, to wrap up episode Brad Marchand, as Scott <laughs> would call it. And uh, we're good? You guys are good? Yeah, I'm good, good, yeah. All right. So thanks for listening. And we will talk to you guys next week with our season predictions as we get ready for the 2021-22 NHL season.